Hello, welcome to episode 26 of We Don't Talk About the Weather, political discussion. That too, the uninitiated may just sound like screaming and crying. So 26? It is 26. Half the a last year. last one was 25. That's the half year. Woo! Woo woo! Um, I'm Adam, and I'm here with you. Hello. And we're here to talk about what's happened this week. Mm. Well, by this week, I mean like last week and maybe half of the week before. Yeah, yeah, because I was away on my <laughs> holidays. you were away, you were on your holidays. Yeah. Um, I've been preparing to move, so I haven't read anything. It's, no. it's blissful. <laughs> it really, it, like, it's, it's really I know, like, it's a whole thing to, like, say, oh, I just love not having to watch the news. And I don't have to watch the news, but yeah. I kind of do, really, for the yeah. show and, and for, we, and like, generally. Yeah, we do like to stay informed. Mm. But sometimes it's nice to take just a little break and feel like this incredible bliss. Yeah, also the last thing, the last like blissful thing was um, like the election and Corbyn, so, yeah. which, you know, kind of rubbed off a little bit. Um, yeah, that's... Which just, that was going to happen with time, you know, mm. it was going to happen anyway. Mm. That's actually the topic of our first topic. Our first, our first bit. Our first subject, our first our, bit. Our first bit. Social Democrats, they always lie to you, yo. Never trust a Social Democrat. <laughs> the parliamentary process is whack. It is. It's hella whack. <laughs> um, so, a couple of weeks ago, Sarah Champion, who is the Shadow Minister for Equalities, ah. um, wrote an article in The Sun. And you're thinking, a Labour MP writing something in The Sun. I thought West Street had learned. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was on holiday. Um she wrote an article entitled um, British Pakistanis are raping white girls and we must face up to it. Ah. Um, the savage Muslim hordes are coming for our white girls with their scimitars. Yep, basically. It's yeah. the same thing. Um, now, she kind of came out and said, while I did write the article, I didn't write the title or the first uh, sentence, which goes, Britain has a problem with Brit- British Pakistani men raping and exploiting white girls. There I said it. Does that make me a racist, or am I just prepared to call out this horrifying problem for what it is? Okay, the thing is, The Sun, I think most papers are like this, but I know The Sun definitely does it. Yeah, the writers never choose their headline. Mm-hmm. Um, but, do you know who knows that? People who write in The Sun. Like, yeah. dickhead Blairites. Yeah. So she knew exactly what they were going to do. And also, the the theme of the article, I imagine, wasn't nuanced. Mm. Well, the rest of the stuff she wrote, the stuff she actually wrote, is she's, yeah. I'm writing this as I don't know what else to do to try and protect our children from grooming and sexual abuse by gangs. I became the Member of Parliament for Rotherham in November 2012, and within a month I heard the abbreviation CSE for the first time, Child Sexual Exploitation. I was sho- It was shocking. Mainly white pubescent girls were being sexually groomed and exploited by gangs of mainly British Pakistani men. Now that's... Does she go on to talk about how like the one of the last big gangs of um one of the big one of the last big grooming gangs a bunch of them were also raping their own their relatives as well yeah no she doesn't no of course she doesn't it's it's kind of the and she is minister for equalities remember Hmm. so it's not like she shouldn't expect to be expect to like be read up on this kind of stuff yeah um and trying quite hard to like um put exactly what this is because like if she didn't know yeah why was she writing in the sun Hmm. And if she did know, then it's even more. Yeah, it's it kind of even more oblivious because she would have had to resign because what she said is actually racist. She's looking at the problem of sexual exploitation um, of kids and seeing that the main signifier is race. Yeah. Well, the thing is, with, with writing in the Sun, the main things they look for isn't being like informed on a subject. Yeah. Or anything like that. It is malice. Mm. That's all that they care about, really. And it should just be a thing now. Just, well, if I was Corbyn, I, I wouldn't... I, any member of the Labour Party who wrote for the fucking Sun... Yeah. Well, no, you're not in the Labour Party anymore. Sorry. It, like, they know that it doesn't... Maybe, maybe they don't know. Like, they know that the Sun has dedicated its entire existence to making sure there isn't a Labour government. And even if there is a Labour government, that it is firmly on its side, yeah. its particular brand of conservative Thatcherism doing. and neoliberalism, it's she, on their side. She knew what she was doing. She's she's race-baiting, and she's trying to get herself ready for being in the next cabinet after Corbyn's gone. Yeah. Um, she, they're she, trying, it's that kind of thing of, like, trying to bring everything back to normal. So it's like, Labour MPs can dress in the kind of 
the, the clothes of UKIP or the Conservatives and be the outrageous renegade without actually having to propose any kind of radical shift in policy yeah. or any kind of different outlook other than your average centre-right, centre-left mm. Labour or Conservative member. Is that... The thing is, Corbyn, I completely disagreed with with all of his stuff with regards to welcoming people back into the fold. Mm. Because you don't need them. There's there's enough people in the Labour Party, in the Parliamentary Labour Party, to have a shadow cabinet that isn't actually full of monsters. Yeah. Um, it's pretty close. Mm. <laughs> um, but you don't need them. And but they're what... not going to be grateful, and they're not going to be... They're not going to play no. play ball. They no. never do. They haven't. They haven't already. Chakramuna's already talking about, like, we should have an anti-Brexit centrist party. Oh, yeah, you can We should have an anti-Brexit, I'm a normal person party. Yeah, he can do that. He can do you know? his, his thoroughly normal, normal, normal party. Yeah. It's normal like, look, how, look how normal we are. We yeah. accuse the entire British Pakistani population of being child rapists. <laughs> Which is just normal. Just but normal then we'll things. count on them for a vote. Yeah. When well, it comes round. Well, yeah, because... Because I didn't mean them. I meant those other people. Well, who are British Pakistanis going to vote for? The ones that the ones that call them slurs. Yeah. Or the ones that just insinuate that they're all rapists. Yeah. <laughs> it's a weird triangulation. Yeah. It's it it is designed to entirely appeal to a mythical white working class that is has this kind of grievance feeling of oh they're always being overlooked and they're always being mm. uh kind of trod downtrodden by it's it at its extreme, it ends up feeding into exactly the same kind of racial and class politics that has been normal mm. since Blair, probably before Blair it's, as well, but since Blair came into power. It's a stupid blue Labour thing, it's the myth mm. of the racist white working class. Mm. And like me and you are quite a unique position because we both were brought up in an incredibly white working class environment yeah. and now we, pretty, we hang around with very middle class people. Mm. And... The, it's not to say that the people that we grew up with weren't there wasn't racism there. There was, but you know what? It's about the same amount now. Yeah, I know about the same amount of people with the same casual racism now as I did when I was growing up. Yeah, it only manifests itself in very very small um, things like people's attitudes, mm. but also at the same time you've had a like a winnowing away of people's actual political action. Yeah. When it comes to those things. So while it works on the, on the way of like, yeah, they're less likely to want to get involved in a union or mm. actually fight for their own like working rights or any kind of um, decent solution for their children, mm. they will use those same children and those same shit jobs to perpetuate a kind of grievance mm. about it. In the, it like, and it doesn't have to be that way. It has been fed. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. By articles like this. Yeah. It's, well, so it's another one of those articles, which is... It's, um... The reason why Brexit happened, yeah, is yeah. because you have papers like this just pushing bullshit all the fucking time. Yeah, it's at a distance, yeah. and there's nothing that I mean, like it's statistically not true. No, um, something like um, yeah, the Child Exploitation and Online Protection Centre uh, reckoned that just 35 of the 415 Asians um, prosecuted for um, this kind of thing, sex, tra- sex trafficking and, and underage uh, like sexual abuse. Just 35 of the 415 Asians are recorded as having Pakistani heritage. So it's not, it's specifically, statistically not. But then that that has never mattered. Well, no, the the actual numbers don't ever really matter. And I mean, after the article came out, she was kind of um, like defensive of it. Well, yeah, she would be. Um, So speaking on the Today programme. She said there was a need to acknowledge that in all of the towns where similar cases have occurred, the majority of the perpetrators have been Pakistani. That no. what's the need? Mm. What 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 is the need? She doesn't. They, she's taking those same words mm. of a kind of. It's a combination of like a desperate moral crusade, but along the lines set forth by a racist political discourse, which she regards as the only sensible, decent middle way. Mm. Like. Um, we have now, we, uh, she goes on, we have got now hundreds of Pakistani men who have been convicted of this crime. There aren't. Hmm. Um, why are we not commissioning research to see what is going on and to see what, how we need to change what is going on? She chooses to focus on the race. She doesn't hmm. choose to focus on their occupation, the fact that they're all taxi drivers and fast food workers, hmm. access to a nighttime economy in shattered cities where kids are wandering around the street at night, hmm. they're in vulnerable positions. I, well, no, because the context and the environment doesn't matter mm. unless the environment is they're all from Mirapuri yeah 
It's exactly the same. And this is the thing as well. When she's she's coming out like this because it's it's a kind of um it's a like a PR tactic as well, because you can put yourself as the sole crusader, the only person drawing attention to this, other than the fifteen other articles that there have been in the Sun about yeah. this this month, the thousands and thousands of things that there have been uh, from like two thousand twelve, yeah. two thousand ten. Simon Danchuk used to do it while beating his wife. David Starkey did it. Yeah. David Starkey said that the child sex, sexual exploitation in I think two thousand and twelve came straight from the hills of Mirbury. Yeah. <laughs> An openly racist centre. I've still got work. Oh yeah, of course he has work. It's um, this idea that you can be, you can say these outrageous things mm. and still go on. It's like a kind of, it's this, it's a media personality thing, isn't yeah. it? It's a shock jock thing. He's not a racist. He's a polemic. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm going to say about this podcast. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and Sajid Javid came out um, in support of her. Uh, Corbyn was wrong to sack Sarah Champion. We need an honest, open debate on child sexual exploitation, including racial motivation. They never have to explain what they mean by racial motivation. No. They never have to like say, well, because the the it's the it is the underlying thing is the white slavery thing. Yeah, it's kind of a combination of revenge for the empire, mm. revenge for um, a racist notion, an Orientalist notion of revenge for having an inferior culture. Yeah, the, to these, wh- Western Europeans. What's going to happen is all these brown people are going to rape our white girls, and so mm. the country will be full of biracial babies. There's an element of that. Yeah, yeah. it's there's so much going on underneath the surface that it's. I mean, that's clan stuff. Mm. That's BNP stuff. Yeah. And yeah. nobody well, nobody, no, nobody, since this article has seemed to, like, actually analyse what she said and come out and said, no, this is hell of racist. This is yeah. really, really fucking racist. Yeah, so people will come out and they'll say, like, oh, my God, I can't believe, you know, there's there's actual Nazis marching in America. It's mm. like, well, they're, they're saying the same things. They write for the papers here. Yeah, they're saying the same things here. They're just yeah. They're just smart enough not to salute. They're of a certain class where they can uh, do one thing and say, oh, I got one thing wrong. I should have said British Asian rather than British Pakistani or, or something like that. Yeah. And they'll get away with it and they'll do the same thing. Hmm. Like on a political level, I don't know whether this was intended to kind of put Jeremy Corbyn on the spot or um, somehow like make him act against her. I don't know if they think that far ahead. Um, um, I think she was probably trying to angle herself as not being fully in the Corbyn project for when he inevitably has gotten rid of. Mm. That's that, I think that's what any of the ones who do this kind of thing is like, oh yeah, we're not really like him. We're like the different bit of labour. Yeah. We're the old bit of labour. We're the decent labour, you remember. Yeah. We're the best labour, the 90s labour. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the best labour party. Look at my tie. <laughs> Look at it. It's tied perfectly. Look at this suit. Look how expensive this suit is. Decent labour. <laughs> Look at my lack of a beard. <laughs> oh, I don't trust beardless people. Well, beardless men. Yeah, beardless women—that's fine. <laughs> and bearded women actually—they look kind yeah, of. Yeah, it's like this, and I mean, all the, all the time, the kind of the right, the actual like mm. conservative right in this country, and the media class that kind of sustains it gets exactly what it wants. Yeah, because, that's what they wanted. Because Sarah Champion was never going to get well championed by the Sun. She's no. never going to get kind of the extra things of I'm. She, this is our future leader. No, not like the Guardian does with Jess Phillips. No, no. Um, because Jess Phillips is right on the Guardian's um, wavelength in that yeah. she seems entirely empty but makes all the right sounds. Yeah. And I wouldn't even say she makes the right movements because I don't know what she does. No. But. Um, the Sun are never going to be on your side. No, they'll how, cheer how if she loses the seat. How many times does it take for them to accept this? Mm. Mm. Because I think she's probably too stupid, mm. hasn't thought it through properly, to think that what the Sun's dream scenario for Sarah Champion yeah. is for her to be kicked out of the Shadow Cabinet yeah. and then when the next election comes around, she's, a, re- she's deselected and replaced with a momentum. Be a, be, a, be a light... Well, I mean, it's also be a lightning rod... For, as we said, like the decent left, the moral left who blame sexual abuse on race mm. and um, push what they want, push literally their yeah. their agenda and then lose her seat mm. and uh, make it seem like the Labour Party's in chaos again. I mean, the twist in this story, and we have to mention it, is that the first um, statement Jeremy Corbyn made after 
the article was in support of her. I had watched the article. I can't remember exactly how he phrased it. Mm. Um, it was in like a, on camera. Took ages to get rid of her. Um, it, it was about a week after that that she uh, resigned. She wasn't sacked. She was she, told to resign. She may have been told to resign, but I, I don't know. That just kind of annoys me because, again, now it's sustained for another week of yeah. news cycles saying why Jeremy Corbyn was wrong to sack Sarah You should have just sacked Sarah her as soon as, as soon as it came out. Just sack her. I mean... I, What's the point like, of her? She's not... She's shadow equality. <laughs> she's preaching race hate. Sorry, no, you're not allowed to be in... You're not... No, no that... Go in the Lib Dems. Yeah. Go in the Lib Dems or the Tories. Or start your new radical centrist party where you all hate brown people. <laughs> um, but yeah, there was obviously a kind of a groan of disappointment across uh, certainly Twitter left and the left generally when Corbyn kind of came out and defended this. And it was combined with a couple of things he said about freedom of movement. Yeah. He's got a kind of old-fashioned, like, almost union view of... Um, Migrants, and this is not to underplay the fact that he has been like a solid supporter of migrant rights. Oh and, yeah, um, migrants generally across his career, he is he is one of the few MPs who actually does that shit consistently hmm. and across the level. But he does have some outdated views. It was on... the one bit that maybe went from the um, manifesto and him on um, the, the various interviews he did around the election was him repeating the thing about um, migrants lowering wages. Yeah. Which is not true. No, he's supposed to be a fucking socialist. Since when do workers decide their wages? Um, Well, also, the idea that there's this... I mean, it's a specific economic fallacy that there's one lump of work to be done in a society, and Mm. the more workers you add, the less work there is, so therefore the less wages. It's like, Mm. no, you introduce more workers into an economy, um, you will find more work for Mm. them to do, because they will invent more work for themselves to do. I don't think you understand. If we literally only had one native English fruit picker, he'd be a millionaire. <laughs> Picking all that fruit. He'd own all that fruit because they <laughs> own the fruit, don't they? <laughs> um, no, I mean, it's, it is like, it isn't, it isn't a modern left position to hold. No. And he needs to be fucking careful about that because it's the one thing... It's not the one thing, but it's a major, major fucking thing that will drive young people away from him. Mm. The most motivated people mm. who are going to work for him in the next election, it will turn them off and just take the spark out of that. Even if they don't leave the Labour Party or leave, yeah, like, but they won't be leave his doors. movement or whatever. It will take that little bit of spark out of it, and he it, he doesn't lose anything. Mm. Everybody who's going to vote against him already think. That kind of migrant thing. Your job is to change that perception. Did he? Did he really think that if he sacked her, they was like, "Oh God, all those people who think that um, Pakistanis are raping all these girls, they're not going to vote Labour now." <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's. I mean, it's a yet another kind of. It, it, it does kind of come down to that tendency in his thought. Does again support of unions and all that, but it does come from old union thought. Yeah. Um, there's like a kind of there's the temptation as well to see this as what we were talking about a couple of weeks ago of kind of like trying to baptize Corbyn into that realm of normal mm. decent politicians in inverted mm. commas like make him a proper politician it's like oh he's talking about migrants in a negative oh finally on, something I can understand just say rape gang yeah just say rape gang and then the northeast will be yours <laughs> It already is his. But it'll yeah. be yours even more. It's exact, it's it's the same thing with um Trump. Yeah. When he does things like puts Mexicans on a list or puts Muslims on a no fly list, everyone's going mental and saying, He's a fascist, he is this disgusting and yet when he talks about as he did today, oh, um war. increasing troops to Afghanistan to continue a pointless, bloody imperialist war, mm. it's like finally yeah. uh, the true president comes out. Statesmanlike. It's it's Washing what you ex- it's it's whitewashing what you expect a proper politician to be, and they are desperately trying to get Corbyn to do at least one of those things because they don't like the fact that he's a weirdo. No, because yes. they are that like this is a generalization, but they are mostly like modish kind of modern journalists who live a particularly privileged lifestyle. Yeah, and they don't like being reminded of what life is actually like and what life could be. Yeah, no, they hate that shit. Because they're perfectly happy with the way things are. Yeah, they just like to fuss around the edges. Small C conservatives. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's... Yeah, that's... Yeah. Social Democrats are going to do that, you. 
Yeah. There's a, I mean, there's not a lot of stuff going on at the moment with kind of Labour and the Conservative. Where the no. fuck is Theresa May? Um, she's back now. Is she back? Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, because she did that thing with, um, uh, she uh, tried to, she was going to try and enforce that three line whip on our next topic, Big Ben. Let's <laughs> <laughs> have some fun now. Yeah, yeah, so they, they move from know, crushing disappointment to uh, the social democrats to uh... let's talk about how weird the English are. How like they're a weird race. Like we could just criticize their champion for just being race baiting, but let's talk about like the real weird race let's, on this let's island. Let's talk about specific races and their characteristics. Yeah, specifically a specific age of Englishman. I don't know. I've seen young people doing this as yeah. well. Uh, whether it's like they've just picked it up. Um, through like cultural transmission and it's like a they thing that... caught it from touching so, the copies of the chat <laughs> so the background is um, Big Ben hmm. the tower and the bell needs an extensive renovation programme it's going to cost about £29 million and it's going to be going on for about the next four years yep um, which entails stopping ringing the bell in the Westminster Tower hmm. um, Theresa May <laughs> this Bafflingly, has gotten gotten people all upset because the lamp of democracy, Big Ben. What I think of every time that I'm having a wank after I've come out of casting my pointless vote every four years, yeah, is going to be silenced, yeah, put out, snuffed out, if you will, <laughs> um, smothered. Because you know when you fix something. You can't have it on. You that's why electricians. <laughs> that's why electricians don't generally <laughs> tend to fix your kettle by jamming a fork into it while it's on. <laughs> jamming a fork um, into a socket. Yeah, you can't have workers in there because it's really loud inside there, um, and it will like you know shatter, their, shatter their eardrums permanently. I like the idea of them looking for a collection of deaf artisans, <laughs> <laughs> like. Just like blind and deaf artisans from like a mountain in Switzerland that work on bells all the time. Thanks to the government's ATOS priorities, we have a ready supply of blind, deaf artisans. <laughs> They've been considered right for work. Since shutting down the Remploy factories, we've got plenty of people that we can send up there and deafen. What are they doing now? I mean, all they're doing is like um, carving sculptures of the face of God. Because it's the only thing they can see. Or hear. But it's... Um... Yeah, there's a lot of people really upset about the bells not going off. Yeah, but it kind of it kind of spiraled from there was a couple of people, a couple of like the old like mad social conservatives talking about it, Mm. and then it kind of spiraled into MPs talking about it. Um, Theresa May um, said it cannot be right for the bells not to chime regularly for four years. That's her um, resolute phrase. It cannot be right that you know she says it a lot. Um, Frick. as if saying it would rewrite reality mm. not should not not anything to do with actual will or um, th- potential but cannot but the thing is like we drink around town a lot and been around that whole area an awful lot there's a couple yeah. of bars that we drink in that are very close to there uh, yeah. Um, I can't remember the last time I heard that bell no I don't go to Westminster think- that much but I've only ever heard it within like the immediate yeah, environment. Like I've been in places where I can see it and I cannot hear it. Yeah. Um, the only people that can that can hear it that it affects are MPs and lords and shit like that. Yeah. Um, it's insane that this is an issue that anyone really gives a fuck about. And what's going to happen is they're going to try and make it's going to cost significant if they if they make it so it's still still going to ring or whatever. Mm. They're just going to blow more money on it for the sake of them because understandably maybe some of the lords they need. Like a steady reminder, like a metronome to get their stroke right when they're beating off. <laughs> but other than that, who who needs it? Really? Just replace it's... it with... I'd, I'd replace it with, instead of the bells, just have a big sound system. And so when, it, like, on the hour, every hour, it plays like a karacha. <laughs> really, <laughs> definitely loud. Yeah, you see, that's what ha- that's what we need when Corbyn comes in. It's just going to be a, a, a massive muezzin, like a Muslim tower, like a Muslim call to prayer tower. <laughs> It'll just be five times a day. It'll be the call to prayer. I bet you, I bet you, there is a there is a cartoon in the Express of Big Ben <laughs> turned into a minaret. Yeah, I bet you there is one. 
Sharia cannot abide music. There, be, there must be. There must be. I, I will lay money on that. Um, but yeah, I saw Stephen Pound wiping away a tear. <laughs> a single tear. Labour him. Oh, I just. What the fuck? Was there not like a memorial service or someone's funeral he could turn up to mm. where his tear would be like his performative tear well, like, would like be not be more appropriate? Well, well, like um, I don't know, like maybe if a group of MPs instead of going to Parliament Green to stare at the tower, not ringing for the fight, ringing for the final time, perhaps they could have gone to I don't know Grenfell. <laughs> oh shit! I wonder if they showed the same kind of emotion when they heard about that. I bet they didn't. They didn't. No. He was weird as well. He um. So a handful of MPs gathered by the members' entrance to the House of Parliament on Monday to mark the occasion of the bell's final chimes. In New Palace Yard, two hundred parliamentary stopped staff watched the bell bong, with jocular jocular <clears throat> Labour MP Stephen Pound wiping a tear from his eye. Bongo gono, that's so wrongo. Pounds told reporters as he arrived in the courtyard. What the fuck? He's quite the wit, according to parliamentary sketch writers. <laughs> what? He's... I have ranted about this before, right? And I say this as someone who is in- English, mostly English, but like technically half English, half Irish. I don't know if that matters, really. But what... The English have this like reputation that they have carved for themselves they talk about all the time and it's like oh we're just we're the only sensible ones we're the stoic we're the stoic like nothing bothers us have a cup of tea all that fucking not like those hot-blooded celts crying at anything not like those crazy palestinians going mental every funeral yeah um and they fucking have so many fetishistic objects so many totems Mm. that they just cannot be without including ones that they don't have. They make up new ones. Yeah. They've made up a new one. Yeah, because they've this... made up a new bell daddy. <laughs> bell daddy. <laughs> Who's fucking leaving again? Isn't it Elizabeth? Isn't it the Elizabeth Tower now? They renamed it. So the... it's Bell again, Mother. Yeah, that's about right. They, rena- they would cry over well, their they, bell mother. They, re- they renamed it the Elizabeth Tower. In, like, <laughs> Stephen 19- Bound crying that his mum's not going to be back for four years. <laughs> <laughs> that's grade A comedy. Nice. Now. That is. That is top. That's what you tune in for, isn't it? That's what you like. <laughs> Disgust me. <laughs> I mean, I would have thought like the metaphor of an old thing that is falling apart yeah. needs radical repairs soon. <laughs> otherwise, it's going to take us all down with it. I would have thought the irony would not have been lost on a fucking MP. Well, the thing is, it's like um, there's going to be all the reconstruction work at the House of Parliament. And, you the know, place is falling down. Yeah, like, um, and it's full of rats. Yeah. It's utterly yeah. full of rats. Yeah. Um, all kinds of monsters in there. There's, mm. you know, um, well, you just look at the Conservative Party. Mm. Um, but I was kind of like the idea of moving like where they all meet and do all their voting to like some other city. In general, I don't really give a fuck about that. Because, I think they should. Well, the thing is, in general, I don't think it would make any fucking difference because I think mm. they'd just bus up and then bus straight back down again, like BBC workers in Manchester. But now, and it would cost more money, now I actively want to punish them just because of this act of, oh my god, the bell, it's so, so, yeah. so sad. Maybe, we actually we do pay extra money and make sure that the bell constantly rings, but they ain't ever going to fucking hear it because they're all going to be voting in Orkney. <laughs> that's where they're going. And that's where the new parliament is. Parliamentary Orkney. gulag. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, no, this it's something, I, I am quite vindictive. But, you know, they've just shown that they're all a bunch of fucking children, so I'm going to treat them like To be fair, children. most of them, like Rupert Huck um, mm. came across and like apparently was walking across the courtyard when this was happening, when they were all outside. Yeah. I say they all. Like, Stephen Pound made it very clear. Here's the other thing. There's a kind of cynicism and a mm. performativeness to it yeah. as well, because he made fucking sure that oh, everybody, yeah, everybody knew did. he was really, really upset mm. and, like, cloaked, again, cloaked himself in, I'm just a normal, decent person, Labour MP with a respect for tradition. Like when people pretended they gave a toss when Prince died. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that was different. People did give a toss about Prince dying. They didn't. You didn't. There's a difference. No, if I didn't, then no one did. It's like when (laughs) I close my eyes, no one's here. (laughs) You've got object permanence, but only for things you hate. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's like... Yeah, Rupert Hutt came across and said, like, I don't... 
I don't what I don't care. Well, yeah, but like, if moderate MPs aren't going to control the the worst off of them, then I'm going to judge them all. <laughs> Did they all come out and apologise for the actions? Of... Did they all drag him in? <laughs> they should have. It's been days now, and nobody has condemned Stephen Pound for yeah. being a single tier guy. I want floods, or I want nothing. <laughs> it's oh, it's fucking stupid. And yeah, it's something I haven't heard it in years, and I live in London. Um, <coughs> there is no. Here's the thing, right? We've got a lot of fucking stupid rituals mm. um, centered around Parliament as well, like Black Rod and all of that, the Queen's Speech and all that kind of shit. Um, even even poor old Dennis Skinner. Let's yeah. face it. His thing at the at the Queen's oh, yeah, speech every like year tradition. that has become ritual now. Yeah. If he doesn't do it, that would actually be a more radical thing than mm. if he did. But at the same time, um, there's no ritual associated with that bell other no. than the fact that bells toll on the hour. Yeah. Like that's it. There's nothing. There's nothing written into law. There's no like long tradition other than the fact that it's just tolled. And it doesn't mean anything. It is just a yeah. Fucking that's what I mean. Clock. It means nothing. It's just a clock. Yeah. Although there was a lot of um, Brexit MPs like um, Rhys Mogg um, talking about having the bells toll when the uh, Brexit bill um, things they're, they're living in a, like a fantasy novel. I I, I really I hope heartily believe that. that all the people that work on it to fix it are trueborn sons of England. <laughs> Albion, <laughs> yeah, trueborn sons of Albion. Um, oh, it's fucking stupid. And yeah, so oh, God, it, I. I find it hard to give a fuck, but then these people act like such pricks and so mad yeah. that I have to sh- just be angry. <laughs> I don't want to be angry. I want to be a calm guy. But then Stephen Pound comes out and cries over that rather than burning kids. <laughs> Fucking pillocks. Oh. All right. Moving on from one bell end to another. You see, I've got them as well. Yeah, well I've got the zingers. <laughs> um, Bruce Forsyth died this week. Um, I don't actually think he was a bell end. I, I don't. I didn't. I never liked him as like a prime time entertainer. He's I don't no know. fucking Roy Walker. Let me tell you that. I don't know who Roy Walker um, is. Roy Walker from Catchphrase. Oh, oh Catchphrase is the so drunk. fucking mad. Yeah, he was allegedly. <laughs> or maybe I think all, officially was he? I don't know. I think probably all of those old school hosts like that. He looked like he drank. Like Catchphrase and Bullseye. Those 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 are drinking jobs. Oh, I don't know. He didn't. Uh, Jim. What was his name? Jim Bowen. Yeah. Um, I don't know. He didn't look like a, a drop past his lips. Jack Lee was one of those. He was, he was one of those ones. He's, he's in into the, he darts was, for the craft. Yeah. <laughs> he's in the pub. You never see him with a drink, though. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's some suspicious stuff about Jim Bowen. <laughs> I'm not sure I trust him. Him and his ball. <laughs> um, Bruce Forsyth died this week. Mm. So, like... All of you, all of you norms, all of you normal people, I naturally did a cursory scan of his Wikipedia page to work out his sexual peccadilloes, <laughs> his political background, and whether I thought he was quote unquote safe or not. Okay, I'm gonna Do go. You know what I mean? I'm gonna go on a limb and guess conservative. Uh, I, there wasn't anything on Wikipedia. Also, <laughs> oh, secret uh, secret no, donor to UKIP. He was almost fucking. I don't think secret donor to Veritas. He was like he was conservative. Like yeah. I'm sure he was conservative. Um, I'm pretty certain. Like I'm pretty certain I saw a program with him and his wife, and he's his wife. Um, he married her when he was like in his fifties, and she was twenty nine. She was a Miss Puerto Rico. Sounds, see those so sounds. I mean, but that's like I say normal prime time entertainer <laughs> behavior, but <laughs> normal 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 behavior. Actually, it's probably pretty. Savile co- has made it impossible what? for me to judge dead by, celebrities by by any other yardstick. By British prime time entertainers from the seventies, that's pretty restrained. Like the Pope, <laughs> it's possibly angelic. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't like I don't like the dancing program. Did he do the dancing program? Yeah, he did um, strictly come dancing because he started as like a dancer and he was a singer. Which led me on to my discovery, which I did not know about. Hmm. Um, he in um, what year was it? He did a single for um, a campaign in um, sixty seven and sixty eight called "I'm Backing Britain." Oh, so, so yeah, he was a fucking conservative then. Like I watch a I watch a lot of those old um, like on BBC they occasionally put them up like harvested old footage from those like public almost like they're almost governmental programs like government propaganda programs like from the ministry of information or whatever yeah but there's um they're like for showing to school kids and before cinema like movies in cinemas and things like that but they're all about like 
trumpeting like these weird things that Britain's known for in mm. encouraging you to think of at the time Britain in kind of the the white heat of technology Britain's this advancing country we've come out of the war we've lost all the colonies but we're now like at the top of like technology and look at this fancy car and look at the fancy car workers eating their coronation chicken sandwich yeah yeah it was like a, it was it was designed to kind of like portray britain to outsiders and to its own populace as a country marching forwards rather than always looking back which mm. we know from our parents and grandparents was decidedly not true mm. um but this uh this campaign um i'm backing britain is kind of reminded me of it like mm. all the, although it's like Union Jacks and stuff like that. It was um, so in '67 they had a huge trade deficit hmm. and they devalued the pound, so you couldn't buy as many exports. So they were trying to encourage people to buy British. Hmm. That's not uncommon. Um, a Conservative member of Parliament wrote a letter to the Times suggesting that if a number of people, particularly in responsible positions, would set by an example by sacrificing, say, the first Saturday of every month and working on that morning without extra pay, profits or overtime, it would give an example to others at home and show the world that we were in earnest. He complained that capital equipment stood idle from Friday afternoon to Monday morning. Oh, fucking revolting. I fucking hate Protestants. They're the fucking worst. Yeah. You wouldn't get this from a Catholic country. <laughs> um, and so a company, uh, Cult Ventilation and Heating, sent out a memo entitled, headed General Progress Report, which assessed the company's economic pros- prospects. Encouraged, encouraged by the letter, he wrote that the balance of payments deficit would disappear overnight if the working population of the UK were at five and a half day weeks without demanding higher incomes for the extra half day. <laughs> this would be the way that Britain would become the wealthiest country in the world again. Looking forward, not looking back. (laughs) Um, The memo was received by five secretaries working in the company's head office in Surbiton, and the next morning they discussed it and said they were willing to work an extra half day a week without pay. Um, This kind of spiralled out. um, The campaign um, snowballed. A load of other companies um, decided to encourage their staff to do it. They couldn't make them, obviously. Well, no. Um, the uh, the marketing uh, heads of marketing for these companies kind of started pooling their ideas and wanted to make up this campaign and started making like t-shirts and badges and things like that with the union flag on and I'm backing Britain. It implied that you're a traitor because you don't give up your fucking Saturday. <laughs> um, all of the uh, all of the um, major parties backed it. Prince Philip, um, Duke of Edinburgh came out. And... I'm sure Prince Philip was more than willing to do an extra <laughs> day of work. Whatever the fuck he ever did. Shot grouse. I don't know, is it September? <laughs> is that the month they shoot grouse? I don't know. Um, um. And the, <laughs> this made me laugh. The campaign extended to Wales, where the Welsh language slogan was not a direct translation, but was instead was, I can't say that, I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce that. I, oh. It was the Welsh language version of, yeah, I'm, of I'm, ba- I'm backing Wales. Yeah, so like, I, I, I like that particularly. Like, yeah. Like, Everybody in Wales, back Wales by working an extra day for the Englishman who owns your factory. <laughs> um, the trade unions, of course, were highly against it because, you know, you would be. <laughs> no shit. The trade unions were not politically pleased with that. People giving away their labour for free. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Um, I mean, this was all about stats as well. It wasn't actually yeah. about producing something better. It's the, oh. there was, the statistics said that Britain had low worker productivity and they... It's the same now. Yeah, we need to, to increase Germany, our productivity unit. Yeah, it was literally to increase a number on a spreadsheet. Um, yeah, and uh, he did a, a single for it. He did a, a, a single. It sold 7,000 copies, you know, so <laughs> a real really set the charts alight. Yeah. Um, who buys that song? I kind of want that song now. But who buys that single? What is the song called? <laughs> it's called I'm Backing Britain. Okay. It's on, oh, it's on YouTube. Is it? Including the video. Oh my God. It's loads of normal people doing normal things, just with loads of Union Jacks everywhere. Buying, like, um, driving substandard cars and getting out in their normal suits and their normal ties. Eating a fizzle. That kind of yeah. Eating a fizzle, dunked in Marmite. <laughs> it's all about, like, going... The, Drinking the, a pint of Coronation all Chicken, all the British things. <laughs> <laughs> all the lyrics are like... Um, Oh, go to Blackpool for your holidays. Oh, fucking hell, I've Buy been to Blackpool. Car. No. Go to the sun. <laughs> like, 
You haven't been to Blackpool, have you? Uh, not for many, 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 many years. It's a fucking hole. Mm. Um, it's not their fault. It's it's um, numerous years of conservative as... party of, of, of British government constantly taking away money from from the north has made it what it is, and it is fucking horrible. <laughs> uh, you know, inability to adapt to changing holiday circumstances and the market generally. <laughs> like, I've never seen so many posters for comedians which pretty much have "I'm not a racist" but on them. <laughs> um, so the. <laughs> Disc jockey Jimmy Savile found his own way to support the campaign by volunteering to work nine days as a hospital porter at Leeds General Infirmary. (laughs) He was going to support it in his own way by only raping British kids. (laughs) Stating that at his rate of pay, nine days work would have earned him 1,600, equivalent to £30,000 in 2015. I think we've found a solution to the the productivity problem. Yes. (laughs) Fucking hell. (laughs) Um, The campaign took a knock when London wholesaler Scott Lester ordered thousands of white T-shirts on which it screen-printed the I'm Brick Backing Britain slogan, but the T-shirts were from Portugal. (laughs) Of course they were. It's just interesting because, like, since, during austerity and everything, like, there's been a few of, like, those campaigns that have tried to get kick-started. There was one that, like, the people who make, um, what's that? It's like yoghurt with seeds in it. Um, Yeo Valley um, make it. Yeo Valley. they make um, like like fucking fiber yogurts or whatever, yeah. um, and they tried to kick it off in two thousand eleven as well. They they tried to like do this thing of buy British or kind of manipulate the market in some way mm. to cope with some kind of like national crisis. People are eating foreign yogurts. Let's make them be racist about their yogurt consumption. <laughs> yeah, I want strawberries and thistles. <laughs> fucking heather. <laughs> oh god, a heather yogurt. Delicious heather yogurts. I almost had a pint of that disgusting heather beer when I was in Scotland. Oh, the Calado- Caledonian Ale or something? Yeah. yeah it's was, not very nice. No, the smell of it's so bad. Yeah, it's not that nice. No. But yeah, they have these kind of um, campaigns every now and again, and it's just like, I didn't realise that the kind of cultural, those kind of cultural veneers over actual economic problems had extended back that far. You always think of the 60s as this kind of people know. There are socialists in like positions of power. Yeah. They knew how things were. And it's like, no, we no. were just as fucking dumb then as we are now about yeah. that kind of stuff. You just wave a Union Jack over something and it becomes magic. Well, it's a Kaf Kidson. Yeah, I mean... Because what have they got other than Union Jacks and all their crap? Well, no, that they've got a deeper cultural thing as well. They've got that kind of um, old-fashioned prettiness angle to work on, haven't they? Dress like an old woman and eat cupcakes type bullshit. Uh, yeah, yeah, like a kind of callback to a kind of simpler, simpler time, like an Eden. When a dress cost eighty quid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Cupcakes are so much. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Robert Robert Maxwell started. Uh, <laughs> it had all the it had it all had the stars. All the stars. All of the stars came out. All of the best people um, involved in this. <laughs> According to his biographer, Joe Haynes. Labour Member of Parliament Robert Maxwell had the idea for a popular bride British campaign around the same time as the I'm Bucking Britain campaign emerged. <laughs> um, so the campaign started winding down after um, the original company that started it, the shop stewards, started to tell their workers to stop working unpaid. Yeah. Because you are specifically undermining the entire way that you earn your living and yeah. sustain yourselves. Yeah, you've decided to become slaves. <laughs> you decided to become scabs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. Like Dad's Army starts about mm. then. The pilot episode starts then. Oh. Again, like that nostalgia for World War Two and everybody pulling together. There was a lot of World War Two yeah. rhetoric around the campaign Ugh. and things like that. Everybody pulling together, no matter what class um, you were in. Oh, they always do um, that as well. There's like all of the classes. Every, everyone from every political spectrum should pull together mm. and do exactly what the Conservative Party wants. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's it's strange that it's always that thing of oh you should put away your um your actual concerns for your material your material needs and wants and just do what this lord tells you to do, but he's an elected one, so it's different <laughs> to how it used to be. Honest, don't listen to that union man. Yeah, yeah, it's just a, a strange little thing that his death led <laughs> led me to reading about this thing. That's like oh yeah, like I say. <laughs> We've always been this stupid. We've always had this like undercurrent of weird cultural fetishism and yeah. masochism. Yeah, it's um, this is a stupid country. Yeah, it's a very stupid, stupid country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's our main topic for this week. But Hugh, I did go on holiday. You went on holiday to Edinburgh. I did. I went to the French. So for this week's cultural Marxism, I'll talk about what. What I did saw. you see? I saw a lot of stuff. I went to a lot of vegan places to eat. Oh nice. There's a lot of vegan places to eat in Edinburgh. Well, yeah, I kind of imagine that's that actually. Um, more so than central London. Hmm. Um, weirdly, where we were staying was next to a vegan restaurant, and <laughs> I hadn't planned that, but I meant I had somewhere to have breakfast, which was nice. Hmm. Um, saw a lot of good things. I saw James Adomian. Um, ah, yes. He was very good. There were people who Mr. talked... Mr. Gawker! Yeah. There were people who talked through him, though, from the first half. Oh, really? Which is super... Funny. Was he just impressions, or was he like stand No, not just impressions. He was doing stand-up set. Um, did a couple of impressions. Did his um, Jesse Ventura, which is always oh, awesome, because Jesse Ventura is just the best. <laughs> yeah. I think he described Jesse Ventura as sounded like a, um, like a barbecued motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he was very good. He made me laugh quite a lot. Um, saw Simon Munnery, mm. who was... Pretty much, he's associated with Stuart Lee quite a lot, isn't he? Yeah, he was just came doing, up around the same time. Yeah, he was pretty much just hi. I'm Simon Munnery for the next hour, and then spent the most of the time talking about underfloor heating he designed for his tent, <laughs> and he had diagrams. It was it was nice. It was it was very nice. Was, um, saw a musical called Buried okay. that was a musical about serial killers. That was it was quite cute. It was very fringy. It's the kind of thing you only could see really at the fringe. Um, there was a show which I'm still not sure if it was good or if I despised it. Uh, yeah. Called Problematic by an Australian comic. Uh-huh. Who, he did a thing, hmm. this thing on Australian TV where they'd go, like, him, him he's, he described himself as a socialist. Uh-huh. And, um... There was like a couple did he of describe other people. himself? Did he was the whole sentence? I would describe myself as a socialist, or uh, yeah, you see, that's. I mean, I don't mind kind of equivocating on that because sometimes it's difficult mm. to work out where you are and mm. what you think. Certainly, but I don't know. People who say that just uh, mm. I don't know. Um, and there were it, it was one of those kind of reality programs where a bunch of people from different political with political views go to. And Australia does it quite a lot. Go to somewhere in Alice Springs where a, a load of the Aboriginal um, communities live. Yeah. And these places are fucking disgusting. They're just the worst hells on earth. <laughs> and it's been purposely designed like that for a very long time. Australia is terrible to the first people. It's just horrible. Yeah. But um, there was one of the blokes who was there. He's one of the founders of the Australia First Party or something like that. That sounds right, yeah. I yeah, and he's like a yeah. proper proper nut job and he's super racist yeah and super horrible um but the whole thing was about political correctness mm-hmm. and whether political correctness has gone too far wow what a novel topic i know so dangerous and rebellious um, he's the only person to have ever said that he finally yes. somebody one lone hero stands yeah. up but the main thing that and like you know saying like things like um, a council that you're not allowed to say brainstorming because it might offend people with epilepsy. And, you know, there are stories like that. I'm not sure exactly how true most of them are because they reek of something you'd find in the Express. They, but, they are all, like, they're... I'm happy to go out on a limb here because, let's face it, even if one's true, the general yeah. sentiment is correct, they're all fake. Yeah. That original Barbar Black Sheep one yeah, that your dad told bullshit. you about in yeah. the council of Liverpool, that was fake. Yeah. That was not a real story. Yeah, the um the Winterval thing. Winterval was in always Birmingham, fake. wasn't it? It was the Birmingham yep. thing because um it was a it was a save money, so they could just leave the lights up for a month. Yeah. Do you know what? They did two. Yeah. They did two festivals. They did Winterval <laughs> through December yeah. as a stupid marketing thing to yeah. have a Christmas German market there for a month. Yeah. And then they had Christmas. Yeah. In the week of Christmas. But the or thing the that really Christmas. got me angry was at the end he talked about um, the people on the far right in Australia that they're not evil people and that this bloke in specific, specifically wasn't a bad person because he shared his chocolate he likes his kids. It's like, yeah, I'm pretty certain Hitler shared his chocolate with white people too. Yeah. Um, what would his... I, I, with these people, I'm always interested of like, oh, they're not bad people. And it's like, what is your definition of a bad person? Yeah. If you say something like, oh, this guy's not a racist... He just says racially charged things well, and accuses black people. Well, of, this bloke said that the know, stolen generation aren't really, they shouldn't be having really called, crime bones. The stolen generation shouldn't be called the stolen generation. They should be called the saved generation because otherwise those children would have been raped and killed by their parents. Jesus. So yeah, he's pretty pretty bad. Well, he's um he was the one that founded this party and the woman who's currently running it, the one who went into part into the Australian Parliament in mm. a burqa, um, she they used to have sex 
And she hates him so much that she said the only reason she'd go to his funeral was to make sure he was still dead. <laughs> so he's not—he's not a good person. Like even yeah. the other, even the other like Nazis hate him. <laughs> so um, I didn't like. It was that thing of it's like hey, Martin Boorman all over again. <laughs> it was just that kind of like, oh look at me, I'm so dangerous. Everything's a shade of grey. And it's like, oh fuck off! No, 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 no. Not everything is a shade of grey. Do you know what would be really interesting if one of those... I saw one of these the other day, um, like a similar kind of thing. It was one of those really soft documentaries on um, BBC Three hmm. um, where they send like Reggie Yates off to do something extreme. So he goes and sees oh, like a load of Russian I far-right love, I people. I love them so much because Reggie Yates is an incredibly likeable person. He really He's is. also an incredibly um, ignorant and naive person. He's a simpleton. And it's cruel. He really is, yeah. Well, I don't know if he's a simpleton, but I think he's quite sheltered. And it's almost like yeah. they use him like... They, they, like Oh, I love Reggie Yates. He's like a sweet canary. Let's put him in a cage and send him to see the Russian racists. <laughs> this will be pretty funny because he'll try and be friends with them and they'll probably do something horrible. And I watch that program and they're showing off their knives to him and Reggie Yates looks uncomfortable and you can just see the producers cackling. And that's what they do. And it's like, send him to go deal with homophobes. It's like, why don't you like gays then? And they're like, Look at us. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're white nationalists. But, but they do it every time. If they just did it once, it would yeah. be like a. Uh, it would seem like a kind of daring experiment. Hmm. Like I say, but they do it every time with that. Um, what's her name? Who went to cover the Greek riots? And like she cries in every thing where she's going to see like a war zone hmm. or somebody hungry, and it's like, yeah, it's worthy of crying. Hmm. I don't need to like see you go to it to know that mm. I can read about it and will cry yeah um, but yeah I, I don't like the kind of everything's a shade of grey I find it very it's a lazy it happens it's like a teenage it's like an A-level politics it, lesson it goes it goes on from like when it happens once okay like I say with the Reggie Yates thing but when it happens over and over again in every kind of media yeah um you start to be suspicious of the people who are making the programs. Yeah, it's of like it's you are trying to enforce a specific way of thinking mm. here about these complex problems mm. and about very very evil people who, by any definition, are evil people mm. because they do evil things and hold evil views. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Like it's not that you can have a fucking massive philosophical argument about the nature of evil and whether evil is really a thing. And still think, yeah, this is actually evil. It's that stuff of um, everything's a shade of grey and these, you know, they're not really evil, which led to Newsnight interviewing that guy from, who um, started the Unite the Right thing. Yeah, yeah. And or coming to Ann Coulter for a yeah um, for a talking head. Yeah, on it's, what it was about. Yeah, it's fucking ludicrous. Um, but yeah, so that that was that one. Um, so some Irish comic called Colin Chadwick who was alright, just a bit. <sighs> Because I was, fine I was, like, I was like that. Yeah, I'm. I'm not a big fan of straight stand up. I. It's the weird thing because I used to think like stand up was like my favorite thing. I was like, I love stand up so much. Mm. It turns out I was just really, really lucky when I was growing up, and I was just watching the you, best stand up. You were just, you were just like watching um, Bill Higgs and Shirley. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's like, yeah. Still, when I see good stand up that I love, mm. it's the best form of media that I see. Yeah. And yet that's like five percent of it at best. Mm. The rest of it is the worst thing you'll ever sit through. Mm. I won't sit I can't sit through it. I sit through shit films mm. and I won't sit through shit stand ups. There's um there was this she was oh, I can't remember whereabouts in the north she was from. This um this comic Sophie Willen. Okay. Who was she was very good though. Um because mm. her thing was about getting criticised by um, feminists for setting the feminist cause back because when she comes out, she just starts like twerking and shaking her tits in people's faces and <laughs> cackling um, and being criticised for her accent. Oh, yes. I hate... <laughs> Wait, did you say the feminists criticise her? Yeah, but no, you no, listen, you should never okay, go on no, and you'll okay, see yeah, that one. Yeah, okay. Because as it goes on, um, she starts to talk about how she used to work as an escort. Okay. And one of the things she was talking about as with working as a prostitute is the um, the at that time in her life it was the only way for her to have any kind of economic power. Sure. Yes. And yeah. one of the things that she did is she used the money for that to start a feminist collective. Okay. And then when one of the feminists found out, they lost their shit at her because uh, you know it's like yeah, there's a yeah, there's that kind of attitude a lot, and it's that thing of I don't think. 
prostitution is a freeing experience for women. Mm. I do understand that economically, it's sometimes the only choice that some people have. Yeah. And the money is freeing. Yeah. I definitely like go, I have definitely gone back and forth on it over the past few years as like I've become aware of it because I'm not Mm. like, I'm I'm not affected by it. So Mm. of course, like it doesn't necessarily Mm. come to my attention that often. But I wouldn't criticize a prostitute. But, um, yeah, I was for a long time, I was like kind of quite, it's not even a hard left position. Like there is a significant kind of hard left position of all sex work is like, you know, capitalism at its worst. Yeah. It's exchanging money for sex. Therefore it's, you know, it's the worst thing you could do and it should be stamped out by policemen. Hmm. And I kind of got to that point. Yeah. And then it's like, you're not talking like this about factory workers. No. You're not saying that because they work under capitalism, it's... You are saying it's completely abhorrent, mm. but you're also not against them trying to sue for better conditions, I think, strike for better conditions. Well, ideally, the, the situation you want with prostitution is you want it. You want the the society and the economy to be in a position where no one has to do sex work unless they would like to do sex work. Mm. That's generally the that's my. Oh no, I would like I would like a world where it's not like sex is not traded for money. Like I would like that, but as I think you, we were talking about this the other day, you mm. said, "Yeah, it's 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 in the same way as I would like work not to be traded for money." Yeah, um, like just yeah. any work, really. Yeah. But also, I know what world I'm in, and like the idea of unions refusing to protect their workers for anything because mm. it's an it's like that's the anal- analogous kind of position. Mm. Like it would be unions not trying to like regulate safety standards in a workplace mm. in a, a dangerous like warehouse or something just because they agree with the wage system. Mm. And it's like, yeah, no, I, I totally come around to that way of um, thinking. I can definitely see... She was very good, and she did this thing about... Um, for a long time, she thought that um, the lead singer of The Verve was her dad. <laughs> um, Poor girl. And then... Wait, did the, and age, then was, how, did the ages match up? How old is he now? Um, no, the ages matched up. And um, then she met her dad... I think just after the credit crunch. Yeah. And it's like this perfect summing up of like what just happened. So like all the way through the Blair years, she thought her dad was um, the lead singer of the Verve. And then the credit crunch happened. And everything fell out. And then she met Richard Ashcroft coming down the street and he just shoved her out of the way. <laughs> well, no, she met her then dad. Then you realised like, that's not my dad. <laughs> she met her dad for like a disappointing pie <laughs> in some town centre. And it was just like, ugh. Was the pie disappointing or was the meeting? I think everything was disappointing. <laughs> but yeah, she was very good. Yeah. I liked her a lot. Um, there's a Rose Matafeo who I loved last year. Yeah. She was really great. And this year I was expecting her to be very good, but she was just really ambly. No, um, no. It was called um, Sassy Best Friend. Okay. And at first it seemed like it was going to be a whole thing about the the sassy best friend in, um, in romantic comedies. And she did have a recurring thing mm. where she was trying to seduce a member of the crowd by like... Um, coming out of a pile of books, dropping them in front of him, and then when he goes to pick them up, jumping down and having a meet cute, <laughs> um, taking off her glasses and sort of shaking her hair at him, trying to do that bit from like she's all that. <laughs> um, but mainly, she was talking about she did like a solid half an hour on how mentally she feels better now because she's not on the pill, which is fine. But that's not something that I'd want to tell her to watch. That's the kind of thing that you can you know have that conversation with your mates at the pub. That's fine. Yeah. But that's not a show that I want to see really. Um, saw Murder Town, which was Erin McGaffey, Dan Harmon's ex-wife, and she's got yeah. a podcast I very much like called This Feels Terrible. Mm. And it was a one-woman murder mystery that was fine. <laughs> That's the best thing I can say. <laughs> it was fine. There were bits that made me laugh. Um, there was a whole stuff about Tilda Swinton, mm. um, which was kind of great. There's like Tilda Swinton insisting that she's not an actress, she just finds herself in films. Um <laughs> Just describing herself as like a tower of crystal made of existential questions. <laughs> that made me laugh. Um, but then the best... Oh, I saw Barry Crimmins as well. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. old, very far left comedian. Nice. Who pretty much did all the hits. Yeah. <laughs> and that was great. And he's very funny. He's very good. I'm glad that he's doing the rounds again. So it's, there was a film a couple of years ago about him. About because he was sexually abused as a kid. Ah, oh, right, okay. And it's called Call Me Lucky, I think. Mm. And it's very good, that film. That's a very yeah. good film. Um, but then the best thing I saw was um, Joseph Morpurgo. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. Called Hammerhead. And it's getting a run in Soho. Yeah. Um, in Soho Theatre for two weeks, which, if you're in London and you can, I think it's going to be a five or a tenner. 
it's very much worth seeing. From what you said, I think I'm going to go and see it. Yeah, it, it was. Try it, and go and see it. it was fantastic. I'd go see it again. Mm. Um, yeah, he, he just made me laugh. I don't want to spoil it too much. It's just very. You, um, there's a thing that you could look up for him on YouTube. Um, if you type in Joseph Morpurgo, the first thing that comes up is just hilarious. Yeah, it's um him doing a a speech from the perspective of the snake from the Nokia old Nokia phones. Nokia thirty three ten. Yeah, it's fucking <laughs> awesome. But yeah, those those were the shows that I saw, and Edinburgh is just a lovely city. Yeah, it's one of those things. I've never um, been. I've been to Glasgow. Um, Glasgow's all right. You know, I'm just going to mention all the Scottish cities. Glasgow's all. Glasgow's all right. Um, I've only been. I was in Glasgow once for like a night. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like the third time I've been to the Fringe, and it's it's got the it's a nice city. And maybe when there isn't all the festival going on, there's it's not as nice. It reverts to tourist fodder or something. Well, there's so much. Like... There is a lot of tourist fodder. The one complaint I will have is fucking bagpipes are the worst thing. They are the worst thing in the world. Like, okay, me and you, we really like drone. Yeah. Like, yeah. droney, doomy metal. That's yeah. just, that's our thing. It touches us in a very, the, the correct spot. Says the man in the sleep t-shirt. Yes. <laughs> Says the chubby, long-haired guy in the sleep t-shirt. <laughs> yes, I do like drone. Um, so, like, the low notes on a bagpipe, I very much like the... But then they come out with all the fucking twiddlies, and then I just lose my mind. It's fucking horrible. And there's so many Americans there um, doing... Um, Shit, amazing grace on bagpipes. I have never wanted to kill myself more. I heard it every day. <laughs> every day I heard that. Like you'd walk past one person playing a bag- set of bagpipes and then you'd walk into another one playing a set of bagpipes. Then you'd have a shit Ed Sheeran kind of alike. And then you'd walk past a bunch of shops playing bagpipe music from their fucking shops. It was appalling. That music is dreadful. It should be banned. <laughs> but the city itself is really nicely done. Like, it's got trams everywhere. I'm not a big fan of trams. Mm. But um, there's places to sit. Yeah. There's public areas where you can sit and you can not be... be, Yeah, Yeah. you can just be there. Um, There's loads of, like, the normal city centre chain things. But realistically, it's just... um, It looks like a nice place to live. Yeah. Which, you know, it's kind of hard to exist in places like London. Yeah, and and quite a lot of other cities. I don't know why Edinburgh has managed to save itself from it. Maybe it's a um, Scottish nationalist thing. Maybe it's because it's such an old city that I think it's old and it's probably got just the right amount of money. Yeah, that it needs to maintain those things. Yeah, because like London, people are going to come there anyway. Yeah, you can do whatever you want to this like yeah. fucking and people asshole scarred yeah. fucking take landscape. Away, take away all the seating around um, Leicester Square. People are still going to hang around Leicester yeah. Square. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's it's nice there, and I got the choo choo all the way there. I got the choo choo all the way back, and the choo choo is so good. I saw Durham for the first time in my life. Durham seems is a lot prettier than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, Durham's a really pretty city. I saw yeah. the Angel of the North. That sh- that thing is tiny. That thing is embarrassing. <laughs> Did you know I saw there was an article the other day, um, uh, or like a, a little soundbite of um, uh, what's his name who did the um, Olympic sculpture, the Anish Kapoor. Anish Kapoor talking about the guy who um, uh, designed the Angel of the North. And mm. he's like, now, the architect who designed the Angel of the North, he'll, he's too humble to admit this, but did you know that employment has gone up 24% since the Angel of the North was erected? <laughs> it's like, it was, this was in like 2005 or something, riding high on those Blair years. Fucking it hell. like... Exactly the kind of thing you would expect someone it's like that to come tiny. out with. I saw it and I thought that it was like a replica in someone's garden because I assumed it was gargantuan. <laughs> it looks gargantuan. It looks. It's because of the way pictures. they shoot it. Yeah. They lie. I think that realistically, I think Northern has ripped us off. They got <laughs> us to pay for it and then they built a much smaller one and they keep on sending like these photos of it enlarged <laughs> to like justify where the money went and the money actually went on. I don't know. What do they do in the munchie boxes? I saw a lot. Of, I, was, I was quite jealous. I could never munchie box in Edinburgh or any deep fried haggis or anything like that. Oh, haggis is pretty good. Yeah, um, but what's 
Yeah, it's a it's a nice city. It's a yeah. very nice city. How was the festival? Because you've been a couple of years. Yeah, it's now. the third year. Um, how was it compared to other years? Like, because it's, it's kind of got a reputation. The, now the, the festival definitely has a reputation as being like, well, there's like the people who go every year and they're serious about putting on what they've done this this year. Yeah, and then there's people who are just angling for a series. Um, oh, there was there was there's a lot of that kind of yeah. shit. Um, the it's more expensive than it has been. It's yeah. gotten it's gotten more expensive. Like last year, there's. I'd say like the average price for a show was between like between like five seven pound. Mm. Some like the big shows maybe a tenner. Yeah. But there were a lot of shows that were like fifteen twenty quid. There was one I saw that was big. It was thirty odd quid. Mm. Um, most of the ones I went to see were like a tenner. Yeah. Which and it's like that adds up. Yeah. And there's always the free fringe, but in general the free fringe is kind of shit. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it was more expensive than normal, um, and. It is an incredibly white place. <laughs> Scotland, like Scotland is, but well, it's like you do. You do sometimes forget. Like I've only ever lived in cities with significant like um, POC populations. I'm not mm. saying that as like a like a badge or something, but it's mm. just where I've lived. Like yeah. moved from like Nottingham, mm. which was slightly slightly less so, to Birmingham to like those areas because mm. they were the cheapest places to rent mm. in. Mm. Um, but yeah, you go to you go back to like Medway or you go to other places, and yeah, you do forget quite how white it is. Yeah, um, it was weird. It's it's got a weird feeling at the at the festival as well because it is just like hanging around in fucking Soho, really. Like the the pop the people who were there yeah. have just been air dropped yeah into fucking Scotland. Um, one of the things I do like of because of living in London, you get used to the absurd price of booze. Yeah. So then when you go to something like that, it's like oh. It's quite cheap really <laughs> so they haven't the inflation hasn't got to that yet the cultural well there's quite a few places they haven't are, gentrified quite a pint. lot of places where a five pound a pint haven't but the pubs weren't yet. the pubs weren't five pound a pint although you could see a lot of the pubs um had the prices up on chalkboards and you could clearly see that they've been they put they, they bring those chalkboards out for this one month every year <laughs> it's like oh shit all the british people all the english are coming well you see Immigration, right? You get a load of immigrants into the area, and naturally the prices increase, right? With the same number of staff, the prices increase because there's only a finite amount of beer and stuff, and then you push people into an area, and they're not from the area, they don't know the ways, they don't want to integrate. No, there were plenty of integration. I saw the festival. There was a lot of people eating deep fried Mars bars. Yeah, imagine how difficult it is to integrate with Scotland, you know. <laughs> but yeah, it was nice. It's nice. Um, I'll be going again next year, probably. Cool. It's nice. Um, but yeah, that was my thing. Um, I would have. There was. I was annoyed. I didn't get to see Mark Thomas. Oh, you didn't? No. No. And what was his um, thing on this year? I can't remember, but I would have liked to have seen Mark Thomas. Um, Alex Salmon sold out very quickly. John McDonnell was there on the night I got there, but it was sold out. Okay, that's episode 26 in yep. the bag. Um, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. Mm. You can follow us on Twitter at WDTATW underscore podcast. You can follow me at BM Bergamo or follow Hugh at Tanner Smashing. Yep. Uh, like us, give us a review, whatever you social media people do. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's that for this week. Thanks. Bye. London, the